Welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify. We're a few members light today. Uh, Jilly sadly isn't very well. And um, the King's Meadow Frost, well, it took its toll on many of us. Um, but Kate isn't with us once again. She's back at training after, I think, getting home pretty late from West Ham. Koncheski's not messing around at the moment. Um, but we do have uh, Jesse Parker Humphreys and producer Becky in the studio. Um, what a weekend. What a dramatic, chaotic weekend. <laughs> what a ridiculous weekend. Jesse, are you OK? I don't think so. We're going to no. that. We're gonna get on to that soon. But I'm really annoyed that Kate's not here because she's got Conti Cup action again, which isn't one of the reasons that they're in training today, this week. But we wanted to really ask her about last week's Conti Cup because my <laughs> theory about if a Conti Cup match happens in the woods and no one's there to witness it, did it happen, was really tested by the Twitter West Ham admin who didn't even tweet who the penalty takers were in the mad penalty shootout that West Ham had in their Conti Cup game in which they swapped sides midway through the because shootout. Because of a frozen, a frozen pitch. The premonition. There we go. Premonition. So Mackenzie Arnold couldn't dive. Or, well, was the, that, was the that, referee... Did they put that... They didn't... They, that was our exclusive. That was our exclusive. Counter exclusive. <laughs> Kate told us they had to we change sides. We need a counter press exclusive. I was like, eh, eh, <laughs> exclusive. Um, I know everybody's been dying to it know just why said, they changed sides. On the Twitter admin just said, um, basically, like this has been a bit meh of a, of, of a chaotic penalty shootout, but we've swapped some sides halfway through. The admin gave up. The admin gave up. I mean, it was cold, up. fingers. Um, a, uh, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. I'd have just been like, you can... Yeah, West Ham were through already. Like, yeah. they got the draw and so they just played a penalty shootout for, for like for a no reason. Peak Cup. Um, so the referee told Mackenzie Arnold she couldn't dive on it, and then no, Mackenzie Arnold told the referee. I thought it was the other way around because no. she wanted to get out of the penalty <laughs> shootout. <laughs> So anyway, but they ploughed on, uh, swapped sides, and um, West Ham missed. All of all their, their penalties. penalties. I felt certain Kate must have taken one and <laughs> no, missed them all. But we did get confirmation <laughs> that she put herself tenth in the penalty shootout lineup. Um, and you tweeted, and then actually did get a reply about who took the pens, didn't you? Yeah, but I can't remember. And you know, the theory is if if it wasn't tweeted and no one watched it on FA Player, it didn't but happen. But Brighton that's won the, the penalty shootout three 0 They and scored all matters. of theirs, and, and they West didn't Ham get missed through. all of theirs, <laughs> and then they went out of the Conti Cup. And West Ham play Liverpool midweek. Really, it. Kate should have taken a penalty because there's no pressure on it. It's, it's, a, good, good, it's practice. a good practice, you know. Yeah. For if you if yeah, she ends up true. in a situation where she has to take one, you're right, actually. For Coward, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and what um, Jesse's got a great idea for one of our Thursday shows, which we're going to definitely workshop later this season, which is. Everyone turns up to the show with an idea of a new format for the Conti Cup. I just want to make a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and really I feel this excited. is the perfect vehicle for me to do a PowerPoint presentation. I'm really presentation. excited about this one. So we will bring that to you at some point. But... Um, uh, uh, for our, uh, our only Conti Cup segment of today, I will say quarterfinals this week. Bristol hosting Man City, Liverpool hosting West Ham, Tottenham hosting Chelsea and Arsenal hosting Aston Villa. Will the games go ahead? Nobody knows, but we're <laughs> going to find out. Um, so on today's show, uh, we're obviously going to talk about the chaos at Kings Meadow um, and hashtag frozen pitch gate. And we're also going to talk about the football that did happen. Uh, Manchester City's disappointing draw against against a very good Aston Villa side. Manchester United's narrow win at Reading, but one that does put them in the driving seat for Europe. And also, um, 
West Ham's not so great result against Everton. But we won't touch uh, on that too much. Kate's not here and, you know, we don't want to throw her under the Surely bus. Surely it's so. a better time to talk about <laughs> yeah. it when Kate's not here. Yeah, it really wasn't a classic <laughs> for them. But, um, you know, decent, de- decent for game. Everton. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, and we're also going to get some of your listener questions because there's a few from last week we didn't get to and a few from the weekend as well. So we're going to get to that in part three. So let's get into it after this. So, Jesse, you were at Kings Meadow, our reporter Live at on the, the scene, scene. <laughs> from the East um, Stand. I was watching it on TV and then I took my phone into the bathroom because I was having a shower and I wanted to keep up to date with the match. <laughs> That's and so then, dedicated. Yeah, so when I was in the shower... Why did you just go through a shower, yeah. Because uh, I was in a rush because I had to get to oh, my friends for the Arsenal game. So I, uh, I was showering and I could just hear Robin Cohen's voice being like... Uh, there, oh, Liverpool had a few chances, but everyone was yeah, sliding but it's around. Hard to judge how, yeah, whether and then suddenly I hear Robin Cowan's voice like, "Oh, there's been a stoppage here." But you were texting and us while this was happening. Were you texting us from the shower? No, then I got out the shower because I was like, <laughs> "Hang on a minute!" Out. I got. I was literally sta- I, I was. I got out the shower and I, I went Where's down. Drama? I went downstairs. Who needs to smell good? I went downstairs. But this point, I'd like finish washing my hair and stuff. I'm very quick shower. And then I came downstairs to the living room in my towel, and my flatmate was sitting and I was like what's going on here um, they've stopped the game the game's been postponed what and then voice that we was, and then <laughs> my favourite bit was I was like guys what's like going on and Becky was like what do you mean because obviously I was there <laughs> yeah. and the TV's like yeah. a bit yeah. behind yeah. and also yeah. I was watching on iPlayer so, yeah. so, so, like, so Becky, I was like what are you talking about yeah, I was like, like the what game like, what's yeah but I think had you paused it because I was no. more in sync no, with what Jesse was mine, saying I was watching on iPlayer like, so that's always like two minutes yeah but so was I yeah but I don't know yeah. Your internet's slow anyway. Talk to your yes, provider. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was it was chaos, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Long-winded story about having a shower and standing in front of the TV <laughs> in my towel. Um, so let's... Eventually, the game was postponed. Now, if you haven't been on Twitter where it was chaos yesterday or you haven't... It was all over the news, it like on the radio this morning and, you know, on BBC Sport homepage yesterday. But... Should we take you through a little timeline of events of the chaos? <laughs> so, um, 9.30 a.m. So, Dum-dum. thinks about getting Dum-dum. in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a spin class, guys. That is why. Guilty pleasures spin class at One Rebel in St. John's Wood. Exceptional. Flo left Shout the party out. we were at on Saturday night at a very reasonable time <laughs> so she could get to spin. Shout out Holly D, the instructor, my favourite instructor there. She's very good at what she does. Right, okay. Anyway, back to, back to where we were. 9.30 a.m. Kings Meadow is hosting Chelsea Liverpool and hosting Jilly Flatty's big day out and big, um, you know, reuniting the with the fans. That's this. the worst part. Jilly's not she's not feeling very well, but Jilly only got what a cup I of tea. I wouldn't be feeling very well after that. She said she got a cup and of tea and pie. a chicken pie yeah. out of this. So anyway, we can, the timeline's <laughs> all over the place. But nine thirty, there's a pitch, pitch inspection at Kings Meadow. It's questionable about actually what happened at this pitch inspection. We don't know. It also went on for ages. Yeah, Matt what time did suspicious. you get to the ground? The ground as well. Well, you're skipping ahead. <laughs> nine thirty. I'm in bed feeling a little bit hungover, a little bit tired, thinking. Would it be the worst thing in the world if they called <laughs> yeah. this game? I, I've been there. I've had that all the time. Anyway, 9.30. Matt Beard and Emma Hayes both said that they had said that at 9.30, the ref had said that it was unplayable. And then they'd like... There was a discussion about maybe waiting till two. Yeah. And then that got vetoed. But then the FA statement said that at 9.30, he was like, yeah, cool, playable. 
So, so what is the truth? Oprah Winfrey gift. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read out the FA statement in a little bit. So we have all the you know allegedly <laughs> and you know everyone gets their everyone gets their chance to 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 have their say, but. 9.30, this pitch inspection, there's lots of, uh, of who she he said, she said about what happened, this pitch inspection. But supposedly the referee told Hayes and, and Matt Beard that they wanted to wait till two. But then at 10.16, there's a tweet from Chelsea saying, <laughs> game goes ahead. And that was a tweet that you, you saw. Game Jess, on. Game on. And, and Jesse was like, fuck's sake. <laughs> but on Twitter, because I wanted to look keen, I did a pingu gif. And, and it went down a tree. <laughs> you got lots of engagement on that. Um, so anyway, a quarter past 10, we find out that the game is in fact going ahead. Um, they've got one of those kind of like bubble tents, like, you know, almost like when you're in nursery school and you flap those <laughs> rainbow things and everyone runs underneath. I thought it looked like um, the kind of tent uh, my uni put up for when I graduated. Like that was the vibe. Oh, Obviously like it's a, lower. Yeah. A marquee. A marquee. One of those kind of marquee yeah. ones. Like, yeah. like, a, like a wedding. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, then it's like, right, game on. Um, they've got, uh, they supposedly get some blowers out now can't confirm whether these are leaf blowers or blowers that actually no, blow out heat they, they look like kind of hair dryer type okay things. but, uh, but yeah. you know how leaf blowers kind of look like hair dryers too yeah they do look quite similar but the i assume they were heated heated yeah because leaf blowers don't there blow out leaves heat, do they? on the pitch <laughs> no but you know it's like oh yeah. we'll just use these yeah. anyway so <laughs> use um, it <laughs> So anyway, they, they, they do the warm-up, but they have to move the warm-ups because certain areas of the pitch are pretty frozen and slidey. But and can hoping... I just say, during the warm-up, it was very clear, like I was watching the goalkeepers warm-up and like they were taking shots at AKB and like they weren't hard shots, but like when the ball was like hitting her chest, you could see her feet would like move like from the like, force. Actually, obviously, didn't. and I was like... Oh, that looks a bit <laughs> interesting. Like, strange. And I was like, shall I tweet about it? And then I was like, no, they've said the, the game's going ahead. They must oh think it's God, fine. You'd have been, you'd have been so I could on top you'd of it. ahead of the pace. I could have been. Come on, next time. Get ahead of the story, Jesse. Know, Come on. I know. And, and Rachel Laws, the Liverpool goalkeeper, Farrah Williams mentioned the BBC um, analysis afterwards that... Rachel Laws had said to her that in the warm-up she wasn't diving on the pitch because it was too hard. So anyway, the warm-up happens, but they have to move certain areas of it because bits of it are very frozen. But they were hoping that perhaps in the warm-up, you know, players being on it and a bit of this blower action would defrost <laughs> some of the areas of the pitch that were particularly frozen. So 12.30 um, kick-off. Also, I want to put something, I don't know when it happened in the timeline, but it was pre-match that Liverpool emailed the FA to be like, we don't, want, we want yeah. you to know we don't want to play on this, and we are like telling you our concerns now. Um, Thanks, that's really important. That is yeah, important. It is important. Bit of the story. Okay, important. We don't know when. We don't know we don't, when an email pre-match, was sent. Pre-match. Pre-match Can I just also, point? you know, add in twelve oh two, Jesse arrives at King's. <laughs> <laughs> arrived earlier than that. <laughs> oh no. You were no. cutting it a little bit fine actually. No, it's fine to get there half an hour before. Yeah, true, yeah. true. And you're a little bit hungover. So twelve oh two, Jesse So we're about halfway half an hour away from kickoff. Twelve thirty, the match begins. And within thirty seconds it's just oh people gosh. sliding around 
everywhere. And then the straw Poor that... Poor Lee Charles. Poor she Lee was Charles. really bearing the brunt of it. Um, the, the straw that kind of broke the camel's back was Erin Cuthbert hitting the deck in her own box and going like, ow, that really fucking hurt on her bum, which she just bounced off. It was so hard. You could see how hard it was. Then not long after that, the referee calls over uh, both captains and basically says, and this is like the sixth minute of the game, look, guys, it's not happening. This is not safe for anyone. Goes over to the sort of FA's TV manager for the day and says, it's off, and then tells the two coaches. And then there's a bit of awkwardness where like the TV don't really know what's going on. But then a couple of minutes later, Robin Cohen does get obviously told by her producer, like, yeah, game's off. And then there's a kind of weird moment where all the fans start booing and then the Liverpool fans go and clap their fans who've got up at five in the morning to get there. I'm so fuming. Anyway, it then just kind of sends into chaos. Uh, Emma Hayes goes really kind of... Well, she goes onto the mic, actually. She says, give me the mic. So anyway, <laughs> game's off. And, and what ever- time is this? You, you've lost track of me. Well, the game um, kicked off at, at 12.30. So this is like 12.36. <laughs> yeah, but no, but we stood there for like five minutes. Wondering what no was going, really on. Yeah. going on. 12.41. Yeah, let's say 12.41. Emma Hayes <laughs> the mic. So <laughs> then everyone's kind of descending in chaos because the narrative very much becomes, well, this never should have started in the first place because yeah. you did the pitch inspection. There were obviously concerns the warm-up was a bit dodgy you shouldn't have gone ahead and actually started to kick a ball so then it's like right everyone's kind of you know tweeting about this tweeting about that Emma Hayes grabs the mic at King's Meadows starts talking about hot dogs hot dogs for everyone (laughs) tell us us what she said on the mic tell us so she did I mean classic Emma like I was like if that was me, I would just stumble over. It was like she'd written a speech. <laughs> Maybe she always knew, but that's just the way she speaks. And she's she was so, like, she, she's great with her words, though, isn't she? You know, it's like she was like, it's good that the game has been called off for the players, but it's bad that you know it was like this pitch is like in this state. And then she offered it to buy everyone a hot dog at the next home game. Then we were like, do you have to have gone to? Yeah, do you have to have evidence? Uh, I don't or, know. Or like, can we turn up and just get a free hot dog? <laughs> well, it's Chelsea Liverpool on Sunday <laughs> in the FA Cup. Get um, your hot dog. We have to investigate whether there were hot dogs available because I'd never seen them. Well, no, neither did I. There, but are. there were lots of replies to the Counter Press Twitter account. Follow us on Twitter now. Um, where you put a screenshot about Jesse's investigative journalism about the hot dogs. <laughs> no, it wasn't Jesse doing investigative journalism Jesse said not seen any hot dogs and then Chloe Chloe shout out Chloe did the investigative journalism here you go mate hot <laughs> dogs £4.50 yeah. so god that's going to cost Emma Hayes a, a lot, lot of money <laughs> well yeah but also King's Meadow doesn't hold that many people <laughs> I thought you were about to say yeah, King's Meadow doesn't hold that many hot dogs <laughs> that's also probably true how are they going to get 4,000 hot dogs what's 4,000 times £4.50 it's like I don't know like £18,000 yeah exactly that's Oh, not dogs. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the WSL. We don't have this money. It probably is a nice contract. You want under Saul Heaton. We can't even afford hot dogs in this place. That's true. Emma Hayes should donate the £80,000 to the under Saul Heating Fund, not to hot no, dogs. No, I'll be furious now if I get a hot dog. <laughs> okay, so... so. We've got way off. Well, anyway, back to the timeline. We got distracted. Forty-five. We got distracted by the hot dogs. So anyway, Emma Hayes finishes her speech about hot dogs and is beckoned over to it's a beautiful um, speech about the, hot dogs. the BBC. <laughs> tears were shed. The BBC pitch side, in which we have a kind of iconic foursome appearing, which is Alex Scott, Hope Powell, Farrah Williams, and Emma Hayes. If, if there are any four people I want what to be talking about, band. this is this dream blood <laughs> <laughs> this, this 
right here. <laughs> this group right here. So uh, we obviously get straight into it um, with Emma Hayes basically saying, like, look, this game shouldn't have gone ahead. Matt Beard's not happy. I'm not happy. And essentially, this is a sign that we need more investment in the women's game. We need undersoil heating at all of these pitches uh, and we need to treat the game with respect. Um, and they kind of go through a little bit of the ins and outs of the day. They mention this thing about wanting the game to be, the kickoff to be delayed. And then we kind of never find out why it wasn't. Now, I also want to read out the FA statement, Boo, which came yes. out. That's for the FA. May, maybe three hours or so, like, a couple of hours later. I, I'll so, tell you exactly when. You read it out and then, and then I'll okay. give it. Uh, all I can find is it for the 18 hours on my feed on so tweet. I can't yeah, work out if you out. go on the tweet you can then see at 4 o'clock exactly on the dot ok 4pm oh, okay. here we go Women's Super League spokesperson sorry where, where it was Jesse at this point at 4pm oh my god we haven't even got into it that all the trains were then cancelled <laughs> so it took me I left Kings Meadow at about 12.45 and I didn't get home until 3 30. Not home and to Worthing, that's what I was home say, to Lewisham. It wasn't even, you were going back to another bit of London. It wasn't even like you were going back to the South ridiculous. Coast. And the FA obviously just wanted to sneak this statement out under the excitement of Manchester United getting <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. Right. Women's Super League spokesperson. We worked hard with the clubs and the match officials to safely play the Barclays Women's Super League fixture between Chelsea and Liverpool as scheduled. Following inspections before the match, the pitch was deemed to be playable by the matchday referee. Lies. However, shortly after kickoff, the referee made the decision to abandon the match in order to protect the safety of the players, which is paramount. We sincerely apologise to all the fans who travelled to the match. The fixture will be rescheduled in due course. So there's not a lot in there about what went down. But and... sorry, there is no way that the referee looked at that pitch as it was at 12.30, at 9.30, three mm. hours before, when it had been even more frozen and was like, this is playable. I think there's going to be a lot to be unravelled about what went down, the FA, BBC showing that game, uh, the, the the different teams involved and everything. I think there's going to be a lot more to come out. There's a very good kind of bulk piece on The Athletic that because... Charlotte Harper was there covering it, but Kiva O'Neill was also there as a fan. So she got lots of comments from Liverpool fans who travelled. And like, there's a lot of layers to it and a lot of parts to it. But I think the overall agreement was it never should have gone ahead. And it was a bit embarrassing that on live terrestrial television, you had to kind of have to watch this ice skating party uh, unravel for about five minutes and then everyone kind of trudge inside. And then also all it brings up is the same conversations that we go through time and time again. And it sounds like a broken record where it's like, oh, the women's game isn't being treated equally. And, you know, this is another sign of that. I think it's very embarrassing that the game started and it would have been a lot less embarrassing for the league, for everything, if they would have called it off earlier. But I personally think it's a dangerous trap to fall into because also this was a global reaction because you had people who were got up to watch the game in the States because the WSL is big there, Chelsea are big there especially, and just general women's sports people online all joining this conversation about gender inequality and sexism in the game that I think kind of exploded into this like bigger beast. And I, I do think, fine, yes, under soil heating, 
will solve some of of these issues. And it's not an issue that's exclusive to the WSL. It's across the whole entire football pyramid. And I was getting on my soapbox and talking about climate change, which I felt like no one else was talking about, which was just bizarre because... If you think about so many of the issues around postponements in the women's game, especially over the last five years, but also the men's game, so much of that is down to climate change when it's talking about the extreme heat we see, like, you know, Tokyo Olympic Games, when they had to move the final because it was so hot. They had to move the time of the final to England in the summer during the Euros. They had to move the timing of their training sessions to flooding uh, that we've seen a lot of issues around um flooding of pitches in the WSL to things like this where you're going to have extreme cold temperatures overnight. And I think we were just automatically falling into this trap of like, the women's game is disrespected, the women's game is disrespected, where I think actually there were so many other things at play here. For me, that's more than just that kind of obvious argument that we always fall into. It's like, it's bigger than just saying, support women's sports, support women's football. I feel like Becky, you were, we were kind of on the same page there. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't want to get cancelled, but like, is it is it that deep? <laughs> I, I think it, I think though, I think it is that deep when it comes to starting the match. I think yeah. that is that is that deep. Because that's is, just stupid. The thing is, though, it's like what it comes down to is it's probably because that game was on TV. It's a broadcast game, and like, is that so different from men's football, where like the broadcast is kind of like the most important thing and leads, you know everything it's like it's more important than the fans it's more important than you know we have those conversations in men's football all the time is it that different um but i guess the thing that's different is that in, within the premier league where even with though broadcast is king they've now created a situation where these things don't happen because yeah. of undersaw heating but i think this is just i think it's easy to like as you guys have kind of said be very like Huh, about it. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know how well that, that was. A good demonstration. That was like fa- me fainting. Um, it's very like I could. Um, I'm here sat with you, and I didn't know that that's what it's you very mean by kind that. of like <laughs> American Wild Wild West. Like I'm a lady in, in like yeah, in Texas. Exactly. Ooh, I fainted. <laughs> but there's like natural growing pains around the professionalization of women's sport in this country, which has taken place very quickly. And it's the same when we talk about refereeing, right? There's going to be stuff that takes time to catch up. It's the same when we talk about facilities. You know, we've seen at multiple clubs, um, players and coaches complain about, you know, training facilities and gyms and things like that. It's the same when we look at maternity rights, which has obviously been another like big like touch point um, in the past week. I think what maybe needs to be seen is better communication from the FA and clubs about what they're doing about all of these things. Mm. I think that's where the frustration comes from because, you know, Emma Hayes can be out there being like, we need to have undersole heating. You're like, great. Chelsea have owned Kings Meadow for for a while now. (laughs) Emma Hayes effectively runs that side of the club. Chelsea have loads and loads of money. So is there a reason they can't get undersole Mm. heating at Kings Meadow? Like, is that something they're thinking about? Is there a timeline for that? Like, I know the new Chelsea ownership want to do lots of exciting things with the women's team. But it's like, because you don't hear about that, you're just like, oh, well, maybe no one gives a shit. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that's true. It's just not as simple. And then like for Arsenal, like they play at Boreham Wood. Do Boreham Wood, like would they allow them, even if Arsenal were to pay for it, to like get all that work done? Like do Arsenal want to pay? I mean, maybe they should, but there's so many more questions to it. 
And also, just to clarify for everyone, you cannot move a match <laughs> to a different stadium <laughs> on every, the day of the match. Everyone has a, a big because asterisk. Because it's frozen. <laughs> Sorry, Katie Stenkel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think then, and that's the problem for me, is that when you open those conversations, people's solutions just get so ridiculous, like, Oh, guys, let's just move the game to Stamford Bridge at a few hours' notice. No, it's a logistical, very expensive, it's a logistical nightmare. How's everyone going to get there? I would have liked for us to get on the bus with the players and for us all to drive. Like one big happy family. I think the issue is actually when it comes down to it, because when you look at how some of the other matches that were postponed, of which there was a lot, we had Tottenham versus Leicester, which was postponed the day before because they already knew. You had Brighton against Arsenal, which was called off about four, three to four hours before kickoff, three hours maybe. Still not early enough for fans to not be in Crawley. Yeah, so that was a lot of them. I bought them drinks. That was a 6.45 kickoff and it was called off just before the men's game started, so like just over two hours. Um, and shout out a lot to Women Moy for putting money behind the bar. Legendary behaviour. And then Everton West Ham where the kickoff was delayed. So I think for me, the big issue here is just dodgy, shoddy logistics. I just, I think that like how I felt yesterday was like, I, I, and I know that women's football is, yeah, underfunded, the facilities aren't as good, and all of these issues that we talk about all the time. But do we have to talk about it every single day? Because sometimes ridiculous, stupid things happen. Right, everyone had their games cancelled, Premier League and yeah. WSL, when the Queen died. Yeah, it's that just was like, stupid. Stupid things happen. <laughs> and Jesse's like, getting cancelled! <laughs> oh, it was actually good for me, because I didn't miss the first round of extras, but that's fine. Um, fine. Above all... It was quite silly and funny. And like, yeah, okay, sexism is sexism is real and we deal with it. But like, I don't, I want to just enjoy the stupidness of it and like be like, haha, that was ridiculous. Without having to like get bogged down in these like big, like, and yeah, okay. The, the player's safety was put at risk when they started that game. That's the most important part. And if luckily they called yeah. it off, right? And if they'd have cancelled it earlier, then maybe we could have been having these conversations a bit more like it's silly and funny. But like, yeah, I just, it, I'm, it, I'm tired. I'm tired of talking. It's about, draining. Yeah. Sometimes right. it feels like there's more interest in outrage around off the pitch yeah. matters than, than actual maybe football. what takes place yeah a hundred percent and i also think the way uh, one one thing that was also sending me blue in the face is that this is not an issue that's exclusive to the women's game whatsoever so many men's games even in the second tier got called off over the weekend teams that have much bigger resource than wsl clubs either like don't have undersaw heating either so for me it's still a temporary solution to a much bigger problem and the conversation is constantly about temporary solutions and yet people were replying to my tweet saying oh it's always been cold in January that's not how climate change works my friends that's not how climate change works and if you look at the statistics it's getting a hell of a lot colder it's getting a hell okay, of a lot Greta. hotter oh, I'm sorry <laughs> but it's a variability isn't it like last week in this country it was 10 degrees exactly it's 8 degrees it's 8 degrees on the weekend it was minus. It's going to be eight degrees this weekend. It was minus five this morning in London. So, like that's the thing is that right? Okay, let's do undersoil heating now to ensure the women's game can have their games on. But I also want to see what's the FAA's plan. What's the FAA's plan on climate change? They should be telling 
the Lionesses that you can't fly to Middlesbrough for a game. That is not good. And they should be saying to Chelsea, you can't fly to Norwich for a game. Like this is this is what's really frustrating is that the Premier League sit on their hands, the FA sit on their hands. They might have a paragraph on sustainability in their end of year accounts or something, but they don't have a plan to make take action on this. And I think that is also a conversation that needs to be had. And I felt like I was the only one having it. And I was like, guys, a lot of you, a lot of people in this ecosystem women's football are smart enough, are logical enough to know that just talking about undersoil heating is not going to solve these problems. And also, like, I, it's, I just, I don't believe that we will have a women's football utopia. I've given up on that idea. <laughs> but like, we're still like building something and you can build it in a different way. You can build those practices into women's football as it grows. Like men's football, it's like it's probably much harder to then go back to these teams and be like, you have to completely change the way you're doing things. You can't, Nottingham Forest, you can't fly to, where did they fly to? Uh, Newcastle. No. Was Hull? it? No, no, it was Newcastle, wasn't it? North, Northwest. They lost to the t- orange team. Blackpool. Blackpool, yeah, that was it. And their game was called off on the weekend, so there you go. (laughs) You can't fly to Blackpool and also have your buses drive to Blackpool to drive you from the hotel to... But you can probably... It's probably a bit easier to then be like... Because women's football doesn't have these resources to fly these teams. Like, you can build those practices in. So it's just like, how do we move forward? So what I'm hearing is Steve Cooper should be paying for undersoil heating <laughs> in the WSL. And also, Steve, cop up, man. <laughs> also, I think, you know, the Chelsea point is important because I think what's more concerning is that if Chelsea, with all their resources, with the Kings Meadow probably being alongside Meadow Park, one of the best pitchers in the division, if they can't get a game to go ahead... I think that's quite concerning for the way in which the weather is forcing us to go because I just think, you know, that's got to be in the south as well, which is the warmest part of the country. Like, we, that is that is a concern. And I think you've got to think bigger picture here. But we said we were going to talk about <laughs> Frozen Pitch Gate and my gosh, we have. Um, and I'm sure lots of people listening have plenty of thoughts. Um, but let's also actually talk about some football next. Okay, so there was actually some football though. We had Manchester City against uh, Aston Villa on the Saturday. The I, re- I actually, you know, when they first started in these eleven thirty kickoffs or the uh, really early Saturday kickoffs on Sky, I really hated them. But now I'm actually kind of into it because <laughs> mm. it's like my coffee morning sit down football match. Some of us were on long runs, Flo. Yeah, so well, we had if you to enjoy miss the first <laughs> half hour, <laughs> if you enjoy enjoy running, I feel sorry for you more ways than one. But um, I don't like it now. You've started running again because sometimes we'll be texting and I'll be like, "Where's Jesse? <laughs> Are you dead?" <laughs> It's a um, long run. Just a so run. yeah, it's 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 a funny one. It's a weird one. It's very early. It's difficult for fans, but you know the Sky Sports schedule is absolutely rammed. So they're they're trying to find their feet with where it fits best. But we had Manchester City Aston Villa on the Saturday morning at eleven thirty, which was a pretty poor showing from Manchester City. I would say probably one of their worst performances since that losing to Aston Villa on the first day of the season. Um, a little bit stodgy, not a great um, backline performance. The midfield was kind of non-existent and was were, were sort of saved by the 
unbelievable specimen that is Bunny Shaw, who is just absolutely on fire right now. Could have had two or three on the weekend, set up Dana Cassianos for her first uh, WSL goal. Ends in a draw. Kirsty Hansen for Aston Villa had a phenomenal performance, scored their equaliser, hit the post. Aston Villa looked good. They looked robust, if not, you know, still not great at the back at times. Um, but that is a result, Jesse, that you would think does, well, certainly puts them well out of title contention and they were kind of out of it already anyway because they'd lost two games. But that puts their Champions League prospects really in doubt unless they get a result against Arsenal. Yeah, it's tough because in some ways the City performance felt reminiscent of some of the performances we've seen from the other teams at the top. Like I know we'll come on to United, um, but equally Chelsea at the Emirates last week of just this kind of like post-Christmas stodge. But the problem is, is because City lost those two games at the start of the season to Villa and then Chelsea, they've always been on the back foot. So there's been this additional pressure for them not to then drop points elsewhere. Like you say, obviously the fact they've got two games still against Arsenal, you wouldn't say they're like totally out of it. But on the basis of these performances, it's really hard to see them, you know, taking kind of the clean sweep of points that, that you'd think they'd need. And the problem is as well, I think, because... You say they're out of title contention, but if you say that, then they're almost out of Champions League contention as well. Because it's, it's so like tight. Those top three are moving as a pack and they're, they're five points behind. And it's right now, it feels hard to see those teams dropping enough points, even with the games that City have to play against them, for them to get back in it. And yeah, it's just that's the problem with if you have a slow start. It was their problem last season. And basically, it was only really thanks to United really falling away that they were able to kind of get into the Champions League. Um, and it kind of looks worrying for them. I think it is worrying. And Gareth Taylor's contract is up at the end of the season. No one really knows what's going on. He said that he wants to stay. Um, but I think there is a general expectation that he probably won't, but still TBC on that. Um, there's been... A massive squad overhaul. There's been lots of ins. There's been lots of outs. I personally feel, and sorry, Flops, if you're listening, (laughs) that, you know, there are parts of that team that are not good enough for top three and, you know, potentially top four at times. And I think the back line, which Gareth Taylor admitted after the game, has changed a lot throughout the season with Steph Horton and Alex Greenwood starting as a centre-back partnership at the beginning of the season. Demi Stokes at left-back. That's changed now. You've got Alana Kennedy back uh, alongside Alex Greenwood. Um, and then you've obviously got Leila Wahabi on the left-hand side and Ezzy Morgan Kirsten Kasparai sort of like switching between uh, right back at the moment. But I still think that that back line is not good enough for Champions League. And it's kind of their very good attacking trio. Obviously, Bunny Shaw, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly, who's also had a bit of a quiet season, but, you know, is a very good player. They are kind of keeping them alive at the moment. Um, and Laura Coombs, you know, we have we shouted her before, but she's having a very good season. But... It feels like she's kind of playing at her max right now. And I just don't see them matching 
enough with the top three. And this this league is so much about head-to-heads. It's so much about head-to-heads. And even when it comes to Champions League, they've got to be able to be better than those other teams. And if they're even struggling against Aston Villa, who are, you know, a big project moving places, then I just don't see how they're going to cling on to be able to really be a part of this top three moving forward unless there's some significant changes. And we know there's been issues behind the scenes. People are ruined about those issues behind the scenes. But I'm trying to work out where does this team go moving forward and what is the new benchmark for them? Because... Ellen White I thought was brilliant on punditry on Saturday on Sky Sports. I hope to see more of her. Um, and she was good at kind of being a realist about it and saying top three, I don't think is, you know, top three in a Conti Cup or an FA Cup or whatever. She doesn't think from a fan's perspective is good enough for this club. They haven't won the league since 2016. There's been investments in many ways in the squad. Uh, and in other ways, you know, there hasn't. You've seen big players leaving. But it's too, it's too much. It's too much kind of recycle, reset, cycle, reset. So I just, Jesse, I just don't really see where they kind of go from here. I think the problem City have right now is that Gareth Taylor is a manager who likes to play in one pretty set way that I think also relies quite heavily, maybe to a certain extent, understandably, on the individual brilliance of of players within it. So the problem is, is then when you have players who have off days, um, you know, I don't think we've seen Lauren Hemp at her like total, total best this season. And that's potentially understandable given how much football she's played over the past year. There isn't other options. And, and even though, you know, Philippa Angledale came on, Hayley Russo came on, it's still very much the same kind of ideas and formation so if no one has that individual spark, it feels like it's quite easy for teams to defend against them. And then I think the problem that you've got as a result is that I just don't think anyone feels excited with the City project whilst Gareth Taylor's in charge. And that's kind of what is a bit bizarre because even if you take away the discussion of whether Gareth Taylor is or isn't a good manager, I think it's very, very clear that people at City don't feel excited about him as a manager. And that's why when you look at... Why do we talk about City so much differently from the way we talk about Arsenal? Because City have won silverware more recently than than Arsenal have. But I feel like, obviously, Arsenal, in combination with Joe Montemuro, saw that, for example, that like era had come to an end. They moved on. They brought in Jonas Eideval. And people feel excited because it's like a new coach who comes in with new ideas. And okay, we're yet to see whether they come to fruition or not. But that just gives more buzz to the mm. club where even though City, I thought, had like one of the most exciting transfer windows out of maybe any club in the WSL in the summer, okay, there were a lot of exits. But when you look at the quality of players that was brought in... But it's the way that he uses them. It's like, why don't we ever see Mary Fowler? Like, that girl is so good at football. Mm. And we just don't see it. And it's like, he can't, he doesn't know how to use, I think, the players that don't exactly fit his system. And even though he's got these quite versatile players, I know, you know, sometimes people are like, is Mary Fowler a nine? Or she could be an eight or she could be a 10. But there's no, he doesn't seem to have a way of being like, how can I try these players in different positions and, and that, have a plan B when I need to have a plan right, B? Right, exactly. And I think that's then the problem because sometimes you just watch City on a bit of an off day and you just think, well, it's like probably not going to happen for them unless like Laura Coombs scores a screamer from 
a million yards and she can't do that every week although she's tried for half she's of the tried. season so far yeah and we talk about head to heads in this league and that that game against Arsenal sold out the CFA on the 11th of Feb it's all going to come down to that and if Man City beat Arsenal well you know it's wide open again and they will have a decent chance of qualifying for the Champions League if they win that game and then can be consistent for the rest of the season. But right now, I feel like there's a lot of question marks about the future of that team. And it'll be interesting to see how those kind of contract talks about Gareth Taylor's future continue to develop. And I'm sure we'll hear more about that as the season progresses. Right, producer Becky has just shown me the time. And we must have talked <laughs> I was trying about to do it subtly so that you could like wrap it up nicely. On, um, on Frozen but Pitch fine. Game. Just end it there. <laughs> no, we, we, we have everyone. to move on. We have to move on. Because um, we need to talk about Manchester United. They came through a fairly nervy game against Reading, 1-1-0 with a very late Rachel Williams screamer. Um, and they end the weekend top of the table, um, which, you know, thanks to other teams not playing, uh, is pretty big but it's really interesting because we've got a lot of questions on the tweet we did this morning about Skinner and people not being particularly impressed some Man United fans not being particularly impressed with the job that Mark Skinner's done I kind of disagree I think you know all teams go through times when they're gonna not win games comfortably and they're gonna have to kind of really squeeze their way through things, pick up points. And I think there's lots of reasons to be excited and impressed about the way Man United have handled their season so far. And also they've had a fairly exciting transfer window. So I feel like the second half of their season is also looking pretty promising. And yeah, there were a few hairy moments in that game against Reading. Mary Earps was tested pretty early and shout out Mary Earps because she got her 50th clean sheet in the WSL, which is a, a league record. But the important thing was that they came through where other teams haven't this season. And I think that shows a lot. But obviously the expectations are pretty high at Manchester United and people do expect a lot. And now it's like, right, they find themselves at the top and Man United fans have been there where under Casey Stoney where they were at the top and fell away and missed out on Champions League. But I would say, Jesse, this season feels really different from how they performed against the big teams, especially. Yeah, I think uh, Manchester United have generally looked pretty good. But I would say, like, all of the teams at the top of the WSL, like, they can be rattled. And that's part of the fun of it. And I think Reading have shown that they can be quite a... Reading are a funny team because it feels like some days you show up and they'll be really good and some days you show up they'll be really bad and it kind of depends which version of, of Reading you get you know like Chelsea have fallen foul of that in, in recent seasons um, for example and I feel like broadly in this game like if Katie Zellum scores the penalty in the first half like we're not necessarily having a conversation about United maybe looking a bit wobbly as I say I think it's always a bit weird when you come back after the winter break and people are getting into the rhythm of things Um I think it will be to their benefit that they're not in the Conti Cup uh, and so they don't have to play a midweek match. I think that will help them. And I think, yeah, I don't really think you can fault the job that Skinner's doing. It doesn't feel fluky. You know, I think yeah. they're playing well. And I think, I actually think, okay, they only beat Reading 1-0, but like they absolutely smashed Liverpool last week. And I actually think that's the biggest difference is that United, I think, have always had the ability to rattle the teams at the top, even if they've not always got the results that maybe reflect the performances. 
but it always felt like then they would fall down against your kind of Villas or Everton's or Reddings and end up like drawing those matches and it would almost be like it wasn't worth it. So I feel like what Skinner's done really well in some ways is focusing potentially on being able to really uh, make those results against the smaller teams count and make sure you get the points that you're expected to get. And I don't know, I think it's interesting. I saw a lot of United fans getting frustrated about um, his kind of lack of substitution. Yeah, it took him a while to make changes. But I think this is a result of what happened in the Chelsea game where he made loads of substitutions and they kind of threw the game away because they were really disorganised. And one of his subs scored. Yeah. And I mean, the least... Rachel Williams' goal you would ever expect to see. I know, that's why I couldn't believe it. And it was a weird Probably signing. Probably one of the best she's ever scored. She's now scored in three consecutive WSL games and this one is like definitely the most important, the way she kind of dances through Reddick's defence. It was like, it was a very confident goal and I guess that's the point, right? Sometimes you need your closers to come on because the people you're starting with like for whatever reason are having a bit of an off day. Mark's asked a question, what point do Manchester United become favourites for the title? I I think they're not favourites yet. I think Mark probably kind of I think um, you'd need a six point advantage over Chelsea. I think to be you, totally need, honest. you definitely need a gap, a nice juicy gap because <laughs> We mention it. Why do you find that funny? I think we mention it. I say it literally every week, but it is just going to come down to those return fixtures against those teams. So if Manchester United beat Chelsea at King's Meadow, I put them as favourites. I put I put them as favourites after that game. But right now, I think even then, even then you don't. That's why I say six points. I just feel like it's a lot of pressure. Because it takes a lot I to would, get a six-point lead in this league. Yeah, but that's that's why I think and unless you've got that, I would still always back Chelsea to deal with oh, the 100%. mentality and the pressure. That, well, that's why I would still say Chelsea are favourites. Because they've Even got the pedigree. Even if they lose to United. Yeah, because that's what I mean. Because it's it's like, can you take it? when you have to then win every single game they have yeah. to then win every single game right basically and that's that's why I'm like if you've got six points okay okay there you go can they can they do the six pointer that's that's the challenge <laughs> um, we'll just quickly run through a few other questions as well my favourite of the day was have you checked the studio to make sure there are no unauthorised phones taped <laughs> on <laughs> can't believe we haven't talked about BBC Porngate I didn't even see that oh I've just seen that now <laughs> um, and then a quick one from James shout out James, um, he's asking who is the best player under 20 in the WSL. Now, all the players I kept thinking were under 20 when I read James's question, I actually like 21. <laughs> so I was going to say Jess Park, yeah, but she recently turned 21. Oh, no. So that's kind of killed I was going to say Laura Blinkilda Brown. How old is she? Oh, she's 19. Great yeah. shout. <laughs> Love it. Great um, shout. I was, cause, I was also going to say many super young players get a lot of minutes. But the, I actually want to say I think this is something that's like worth keeping an eye on because ever since Aston Villa bought all their old players they moved Laura Blinkilda Brown to play at right wing mm. but then they subbed at half time in the City <laughs> game and brought Alicia Lehman on and I do think it would be a massive shame for a 19 year old who's played fantastically well. and consistently in midfield all through the first half of the season to kind of be pushed out by Jordan Nobbs. Ooh. Sorry, Jordan. 
Wow. Um, speaking of Alicia Lehman, oh, it, was her birthday. it was her birthday this week. Happy birthday Happy to birthday. our bisexual queen. Happy birthday, Alicia. <laughs> Sorry, um, I just want to clarify, that's not like... I'm not trying to deep on Jordan Jordan scared Norms. about getting cancelled. I just think, like, again, it comes back to this player rotation. Like, are we going to see Carla Ward just rely on... Jesse, we don't have time for this. Look, you've insulted Jordan, <laughs> you're cancelled. Mark Jordan Norms, play Laura Blink on the Brown. <laughs> What we would love to know as well, who are the exciting young players uh, other people have watched uh, in the league this season? I do think it like the under 20 bracket is becoming thinner and thinner because senior players are getting more minutes. Like, I feel like it's the 21 group which are like really thriving right now. But this comes back to, again, the like, teams using squads like why aren't teams who don't want to build like pay Gio, as much Gio's money? 19 using, or something, isn't she? She's yeah, pretty but, young. Like, why aren't they bringing through? under 21 players like that's what would they be are, the but they're sitting on the bench do. the bench the benches of so many WSL but teams the benches are, are empty. no but they're empty the benches are empty they're not the benches. we don't have time to get into <laughs> a new conversation about whether the benches are empty or full of 21 year olds Aggie Beaver Jones she's 19 so she can also be on this list She's got, got a great, great goal, she's yeah. got a great goal at the weekend. Uh, anyway, well, maybe let's do an also a focused episode, which is like under twenty one players in the WSL wants to watch. I know James would be into it, so you know maybe <laughs> we can get him on. Um, before we go, a uh, bit of admin. We're going to be doing a sort of live uh, righties uh, podcastic universe, podtastic pod whatever universe. Um, live pod on the 9th of February in London at King's Place if anyone wants to come along it's going to be a bit of counter press it's going to be a bit of writer's house it's going to be a bit of stadio with kind of little bits sounds little extremely cameos. chaotic it's going to be very chaotic um, God, the, the hot take this is what we throw I should have saved my job not so flat you and Ray are getting in a fight <laughs> there are details on how to get tickets on uh, the various channels for writer's house stadio and I'll make sure Becky puts some details on the counterpressed Twitter feed. Uh, we're obviously going to be there, so you can come hang out with us. And um, shout out to um, the guy I met in the concourse who is Molly's uh, husband. Sorry, Molly's husband, because I don't remember your name. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out Molly, who uh, I bumped into her husband in the concourse at the Emirates yesterday, and he said Molly's a massive fan of counterpressed. Yeah, she's coming to that. the they're coming to the live show. So you could be like Molly and her husband, and you you could be there enjoying and the live show. You could get a selfie with um, Flo. So, yeah. <laughs> she so we'll sign it for you. Bring, bring a Polaroid and Flo will sign her selfies. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, hope to see some of you there. Thanks for listening. Um, get in touch with us, as always. We'll be back on Thursday with some more shenanigans, less uh, chat about frozen pictures, more chat about other things. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.